0: Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the Sermon of the Week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. Welcome in the name of the Lord. It's still April. We've got a couple weeks left, and great things are happening. As uh, Miles was talking about the Fellowship Hall downstairs, it's, it's going to be amazing, and so... Uh, we're going to give you a tour. Did he mention that? We're going to give you a tour next uh, Sunday after church. So you come on down and, and poke around and see the progress that we've made and the things that we've purchased with your giving so far. You know, when God uh, closes a door, you're supposed to look for a window. I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> I'm sorry to burst your little Bible bubble, but that's not in the Bible. What the Bible says is when God closes the door, (laughs) it's closed. And uh, that's a friendly reminder that uh, God is God and we are not. And oftentimes I'm as guilty as anyone else when God closes the door in my own strength, in my own determination, I will find a way to get it done. And it ends up being something in the flesh when God said, listen, Eric, just sit down. Uh, this, is not, this is not the right time for that particular thing. And so you have to be in tune with the Lord when it comes time for closed doors. And I want to talk about doors closing uh, this morning. So Father, thank you for our time together today. Thank you for uh, the worship. Thank you for the worship and giving. And now, Lord, may we continue to worship you with the preaching of your word. May you be alive in our hearts today, God. Encourage those that need encouragement, those that are sick, be healed, and those that are broken, be mended in the name of Jesus. We thank you, God, for your grace towards us today. And all God's people said, amen. Amen? amen? You know, before you take a, a, a driver's test you you should study and when it's time to re-up those of us who are in the re-up category, you, what do you do? You brush up and you have a little friendly reminder and you study and you refresh yourselves with the information. And so the information I want to refresh you with this morning is the very fact that uh, when God closes the door, it's closed and that we're not God. God is God and he is almighty. And it's... Uh, the scripture I read to you earlier this morning when we began out of Daniel, but I want to draw your attention here for a few minutes to the uh, book of Revelation, chapter 19, uh, a few verses there. So if you have your Bibles, get them out. If not, we'll put it on the screen so you can follow along. It says, After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven, shouting, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Salvation belongs to him. Glory and power belongs to God. For true and just are his judgments. He has has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again, they shouted, hallelujah. And the smoke goes up from her forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God. Who was seated on the throne, and they cried, Amen, Hallelujah. And then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you servants, you who fear him, both small and great. And then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like a loud peal of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God, and the word there is Almighty which means all might for the Lord God Almighty reigns. It actually means all ruling, absolute, and universal sovereign. And that's where we come up with the characteristic of God where it is he is omnipotent, which means he's omnipotent, which means he's all powerful. When God says this is the way it's going to be, that's the way it's going to be. I just strangely remembered it, something. When you were a kid, there was a joke. You know, when you started learning jokes, where does an 800-pound gorilla sleep? And wherever he wants. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's omnipotence. That's all-powerful. And uh, so when God closes the door, what happens? Well, why? Why? This is, a, uh, this is a question that, as a pastor, when something isn't going right for people, they'll say, why, why? And the reason is oftentimes is because that's just the way God wants it. And he doesn't owe us an answer. He just says, this is the way that it is. I'm all powerful. And if he wants it closed, doggone it, it's going to be closed. And nothing you can do can reopen it. Revel- uh, Daniel chapter four, the people of the earth are regarded as nothing. He, he does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of earth. Now I'm feeling a little bit of pushback from some who may think, oh yeah? Well, let me just tell you, God is in control. You may, not, you may watch the news, and you may listen to political pundits, you may see what's going on everywhere from Iran to Sudan, and you may see what's going on in the White House or the local courthouse and think, where are you? Let me just tell you, let me just reassure you, God's got this. He's, he, he, he's, he's okay. And uh, what he decides is going to happen will happen Because he's omnipotent. No one can hold back his hand is what it says. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of earth. No one can hold back his hand. So if you're looking for a text for this morning, it's going to be right here. From Revelation chapter 3, the first part of verse 7. These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the keys of David. What he opens... No one can shut. What he opens, no one can shut. Praise the Lord. What he shuts, no one can open. If you're going to underline anything today, you're going to write anything down, you're going to remember anything, that would be a great place for you to start Revelation 3, 7. God shuts doors, and when he shuts them, he holds the key. So what I want to do is I want to look at a brief timeline and bring some insight to this idea when God shuts the door, the door is closed. The first door we're going to look at is in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, God chose to close the door. Here's what happened when the people sinned. Revelation chapter 3, excuse me, Genesis chapter 3, verse 23. So the Lord God banished him, them, from the Garden of Eden to work the ground which which, uh, he had been taken after he drove them out. After he drove it, so he's banished them and he drove them out. He placed on the east side of that garden where he drove them out, cherubim, with a flaming flashing sword. So in other words, you're not coming back in. I've shut the door and I'm putting an angel there with a flaming sword. You've been banished. The door has been shut. You are now on the outside. Why? Because they rejected God's plan. When you reject God's plan, he shuts the door. Seriously. Seriously. Tragic, heartbreaking, but God is gracious, right? So when he kicks you out of Eden and and humankind is no more allowed back there, a new door of opportunity to worship God is placed before us. And once again, humanity chose to rebel as we did in the garden. And it's all over again. And so we moved to door number two. Also found in Genesis, this is in chapter six, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness was on the earth and how bad it had become, and every inclination and the thoughts in his hearts were only evil. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth. That's serious. Verse 8. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord, and this is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. So the flood came, inhabiting the entire world, people died. They rejected God's plan. Again, they said, don't need you. And so what happened? It resulted in God shutting another door. In Genesis chapter seven, the very next chapter, it says after the animals, everyone, the male and female, everything living got on the boat and God had commanded Noah, then the Lord shut him in. So then the garden didn't go right, rebelled against God, kicked him out and shut the door. Door number two, God gave him another opportunity, didn't go well earth was in chaos. God says, okay, Noah, go build the ark, get your family on. And then God shut the door again. I I wouldn't want to be one of the people that were laughing and scoffing at Noah when God opened the heavens and rain began and the door shut. Had you ever thought that there would be people knocking on the outside of that door saying, let me in, let me in. I'm so sorry. And what the problem is, the reality is that once the door gets shut, the door is shut. You're not going back. You want to. You can cry all that you want. You can have lots of copious tears. You can, you can scream and stomp and, and, and what, have a tantrum. It doesn't matter. God said, I gave you this opportunity. You rejected this opportunity. And so now we're shutting the door. And so the door of the garden was shut. The door of the ark was shut. God shut the door. Notice that God shut the door. God shut the door. Noah didn't shut the door. In the garden, who shut the door? God said, out, I'm shutting the door. God shut the door, but he gave him another chance. And so it continued on. People given another chance. So we moved to door number three. Door number three is the sacrificial system that was set up in the Old Testament. But God slams that door shut too. Because what we had was now... We're starting all over again. God says, here's what's going to happen. We're going to have sheep. We're going to have goats. We're going to have bulls. We're going to have this entire sacrificial system in place so that you can worship me because that's what this is all about. And incidentally, parenthetically, I mean, that's why the devil got kicked out of heaven because he thought he should be worshiped. God said, no, you're gone out and shut the door on the devil. This is an ancillary note. So then it it happened in the Garden of Eden. Then it happened with the Ark. And now it's going to happen here as we close in on the the, uh, New Testament. But in the Old Testament, we have all of this covering for sin. Sacrifices were made so that sins could be covered and that they wouldn't be seen by the Lord. And in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 6, it says this. With burnt offering and sin offerings, you were not pleased. So it wasn't something that God wanted per se in that, you know, I want people to go kill sheep. No, what I want is for you to have fellowship with me and I'm going to make it in a system of sacrifice so that you understand the power is in the blood. Power, power, wonder working power in your sacrifice. No, in your obedience, in your worship. And so this is what we have. Uh, if you read the book, because we just finished up with uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Now Leviticus begins this next opportunity for people to worship. And I, I was going to try to put this on a on a slide for you, but it would have been illegible. So I figured, as long as it's illegible, there it is. It's illegible to you. <laughs> <laughs> this is just this is just the beginning of the sacrificial system and how it works, what the sacrifice is, what they need to offer, when they need to offer it, how it's to be cut up, how it's to be burnt, who's it for, who gets to eat it or use it, and all the words that go along with. And this is just the beginning. If you just, I mean, imagine this system. It's not the system that saves you. Remember, and so Jesus closed this door. He said, you know what? I'm really not delighted in, I, I'm not after the blood of goats and bulls. What I want is your heart. And so in Ephesians chapter two, we see how this door gets shut. Remembering that at the time that you were separate from Christ, he excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. Without hope you were and without God. But now in Christ Jesus, who once were far away from, but now have been brought near, how? By the blood of of Christ, the blood of Christ on the cross ended this system. Now I'm not talking about a physical door like on the ark or it's more of a spiritual door like in Eden, but there were angels that were flashing swords there. This is another door. God said, "You know what? We're not going to go back to this system." Well, I like that system because I could just do it on Sundays. I could just do it when it was convenient. God said, no, we're actually gonna destroy this system. I know it's what we used to do, just like we used to be in the garden, just like we used to be around when Noah was there, but you know what? We tried this and you still couldn't do that. So we have to start all over again. Enter Jesus, and now the blood of Jesus doesn't cover sin. The blood of Jesus expunges; it removes your sin, as far as east is from west. So praise the Lord, He shut that door, because now we can take even a step closer. So let's review: the door of the garden, what? Say, slam shut, slam shut, <laughs> flaming sword. The ark, of, uh, the ark that Noah built. Door, slam shut. The door of the sacrificial system. Slam shut but now the blood of Jesus oh there's wonder working power in the blood so now we live in a brand new era we live in a dispensation a period of time called grace and how does this work well it's not a sacrificial system anymore it has to do with putting your trust and your hope in the sacrifice that Jesus made once for all so it's, it's a one and done. That's Jesus. He's now making this so much easier for us. So we live in this dispensation, the blessed hope poured out by Jesus. Romans 5, 5. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Romans 5. So hallelujah. The door is open. His grace has been poured out. His love I mean, come on, man. That's easy peasy. That's just awesome. Dun, dun, dun. There's now the rest of the story. A plot twist, if you will. Remember, the door of the garden closed. The door of the ark closed. The door of the sacrificial system slammed shut. But there's one more door. There's one more door. And we forget about it sometimes. But here it is. Jesus says in John 10:7, "Truly I say to you, I am the door." Hmm. Are you ahead of me already? Or are you still with me? OK? If you go to Israel, you go to the Middle East where sheep herding is a thing, you'll you think, well, how do they keep all these sheep at night? How do they keep them safe? Well the shepherds they would make out of the rocks, which was the building material in the desert, not trees, not lumber, but just rocks. And they would make stone fences. And I have a picture of one. It's just a round circle of stone like that. And that's where we would herd all the sheep into. Didn't have hinges. You didn't have a door per se, but Jesus said, I am the door. So this is the way in to this paddock, to this, this uh, um, stable looking, this place of safety. And Jesus said to them, and, and put yourself in this culture, put yourself where these are all over the desert, put yourself where sheep are by the tens of thousands, if not millions, because they had to be slaughtered morning and evening at the temple, right? So a sheep culture. This is how they were kept at night. And Jesus comes along and he says, I am the door. Let me show you what the door looks like. Next slide. That's where the shepherd would sleep at night. Why? Because he protected his sheep. So the shepherd just slept in the doorway. And so when he stood up and he said, guess what? I am the door. I am the door. Jesus is saying, come on in. Come on in. He's saying, be part of my flock. I will protect you. In fact, he said in Psalm 23, the Lord is your shepherd. I want you to get that burn into your mind, that picture of the shepherd sleeping in that, in that doorway. You shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. In fact, in Psalm 100, verse 3, it says, know that the Lord God, it is he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Did some, did some um, uh, review of how dumb sheep are this week. It just really encourages me how, <laughs> how stupid we can be. I read a story, hand to heaven, true story. Shepherd had five, 1,500 sheep, and 1,500 sheep in, uh, decided they were going to walk off a cliff. But 1,500 sheep didn't die that night. Uh, the first 400 did, First 400 did, and there were so many sheep at the bottom of this ravine, they broke the fall of the 1,100 that fell in after them. They just kept walking off the cliff. Here's here's something that I had never read before but is true, and that is all your sheep, imagine all your sheep are in a barn, or maybe they go back to that that stable-looking thing. All your sheep are in the barn. Say you got 500 sheep in the barn, there they are, and you want them to come out. The trick is this, you take a rope and you tie a rope across the front of the entrance into the barn where they're going to come out. But the thing is, the sheep are going to have to jump over this rope to get out. So all the sheep are in there, you tie a rope across the front and then you call your sheep, you say, come on out, and the sheep begin to come and they begin to come to the edge and they they literally jump over this rope. But here's what you do. Halfway through halfway through you cut the rope or drop the rope and the other 250 continue to jump at that spot where the other 250 jumped. They did it. They did it. They did it. I guess this is what we're supposed to do. And so I just have two short video clips for you. I put them together, Aaron did for us, uh, to remind you of our condition and, uh, hopefully you'll find them somewhat enlightening go ahead and roll out that's you that's me there's, there's the good shepherd Oh, thank you lord thank you lord for getting me out of that situation Oh. dog on it did it again maybe you've seen this one pulls him out of the ditch Oh, praise the lord I'm free, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. We laugh because that's us, isn't it? He got you out of that mess. You said, Lord, get me out of this mess, and I promise I won't go back in that ditch again. Next thing you know, do, 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 do. I've been there, you've been there. This is why it's good that we have a good shepherd. That, you know, puts a rope around our ankle and pulls us out. Says, you know what? I, that hurts. That hurts. Well, we wouldn't have to do this if you weren't in the ditch. Door number one was the garden slammed shut. Door number two, the ark slammed shut. Door number three, the sacrificial system. God said, done with that. But Jesus now says, I am the door. Yeah, it's all good. Jesus loves me. His blood cleanses me. He's so loving. He's so patient. He is so kind. Pastor, you've already said it's a dispensation of grace, right? It's all good. Right? Right? Um, Well, everything I've said is true, but just hold up here. Wait a minute. Listen to what Jesus says in his own words, red letter, in a parable, Luke 12. Excuse me, Luke 13. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to get saved go to heaven? He said to them, well, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. But once the owner, now the owner in this parable is the Lord. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door... What will happen is then you will stand on the outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will not answer. He'll say, I don't know you. That's serious door closing. You may be familiar with a phrase called the Olivet Discourse. Olivet comes from the Mount of Olives, and this is a discourse. It's what Jesus talked about how things will be at the end of time. It's called the Olivet Discourse, universally amongst seminarians and Christians in the know. The Olivet Discourse is in Matthew chapters 24 and 25, and this is right before he's arrested. And I have a picture. You're standing, in this picture, you're on the Mount of Olives and you're looking at the Eastern Gate and instead of the gold dome, you would have seen the temple. That's how close the Mount of Olives is to the the Eastern Gate and the Temple Mount. In fact, Cheryl and I have decided we're gonna go back next year, so if you wanna come with us, you can actually walk this road. Incidentally, the Eastern Gate, which Jesus came through on Palm Sunday, is part of the Muslim Quarter In Jerusalem today. So that door is actually cemented shut because the Muslims believe that when Christ does return, he will need to come through the Eastern gate. So they cemented it shut so we couldn't. (laughs) Interesting, isn't it? So here's what Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse number three, Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the all of that Discourse, and the disciples came to him privately and said, Jesus, please, tell us, they said, when will all these things happen and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? And then he tells them a story. He tells them a story about 10 virgins. This is a... A replica. This is not uh, an original. Uh, this is a replica of an original. This is what an oil lamp looked like in the time of Jesus, and it's a clay pot. And I tip it so you could see it, but I put olive oil in it because that was the oil burned in the day. And then there's just a cotton, just a cotton thread, like a cotton piece of string, that you ball up, stick in there, and the end of it comes through here. And what happens is all of that olive oil wicks up. Through that, And so this is how one would light their home. This is how someone would um, uh, illuminate their path as they were walking. And the story is about this. And this would burn as long as there's olive oil in here and you'd continue to trim the wick and so on and so forth. What I love about it is when you blow it out, it smells like Olive Garden. <laughs> <laughs> I want bread and some Alfredo sauce right about now. Because it's olive oil and it does, it smells, it smells like, it smells, it smells like olives. It smells like olive oil. But this is a story that Jesus told and I want to read it to you. It's in Matthew chapter, ouch. <laughs> Matthew chapter, ouch. i just burnt myself. At that time, this is, they just asked him now, what's it going to be like? At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish. Five of them were wise. The foolish one took their their lamps, but didn't take any extra oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with them. So they had their oil in their lamp, and they also had another, another container of extra oil. The wise, however, took jars of oil with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. Jesus hasn't returned yet. It's 2,000 years, so we're all drowsy. That's what it says. It didn't say it like that, but it says, the bridegroom hadn't come yet, it had been a long time, and they all, all of them, even the ones with the extra oil, all of them became drowsy. Then verse six, at midnight, the midnight cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him, and then they all, all of them, all the virgins woke up. So they all fell asleep, they all woke up. The foolish ones said to the wise ones, give us some of your oil so our lamps won't go out. No, they replied, there's not enough for us and you instead go, go to those who sell oil and buy some from yourselves. But by then it was too late. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Let me in. I'm so sorry. I should. I shoulda. I should. I, I, you know. I was going to. I was gonna. I was gonna get right with God. I was gonna get serious with God. I was. You know. I, I. I played church. I. I had the lamp. I had. I had enough oil to to illuminate just me. Just you know. But I wasn't. I wasn't prepared. I wasn't ready to have. The call come at midnight. I, I didn't expect it. No one gave me a warning. There was no, I didn't get a page. I didn't get a, a text. I, 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 there wasn't an emergency broadcast system. Hey, Jesus is coming back at midnight tonight. No, you're not going to get that warning. And the door will be shut. That's the fourth and final door. Jesus is the door. He said of himself, I am the door. And if I shut it, it's not going to get opened again. None of these other doors were opened again. They got shut and that was it. This is the fourth and final door. The two things you need to know about this final door. Number one, in every incidence, the door was shut and there was no more getting in. There was not another opportunity to get back in. It was without warning. And secondly, you should know it's important for you not to delay, to be prepared, to have oil. Because the final door is about to close, and it's sooner than you think. First Thessalonians, for you know very well the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Have you been robbed? Cheryl and I have been robbed. I wish we would have known he was coming. <laughs> but you don't know. Luke 12. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Matthew 24: "As lightning comes from the east is visible to the west, so will be at the coming of the Son of Man." And Revelation 3:11: "I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown." The question is, are you ready for the door to be shut? Are you ready for the door to be shut? What does that look like? And I thought long and hard of of, of a way in which we could kind of get our mind around what it looks like to be ready for the closing door. And all I could come up with was St. Louis Lambert International Airport, or Chicago O'Hare, or some international airport, Dallas is a horrible one where you have to get on a tram and go from, I mean, they'll have transportation, right? So now here you are, you've got your suitcases, you're ready, and, and they, all oh, you gotta change terminals, you gotta go from international, whatever, to hit it da a da, 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 go get on the tram. So now you're standing there, you got your stuff or whatever, and you're waiting for the tram, you don't know when, it said it's gonna come pretty soon, three to five minutes, whatever, you don't know exactly when it's gonna come, but you know it's coming, so you stand waiting. You know it's coming, they told you it's coming. So you stand and you wait. Then what happens is, it comes and the door's open. Let me tell you, if you don't get in, before the door gets shut, you won't have another opportunity. Yes, at the airport it will eventually come around again. But in real life, when the Lord says the door's open, you come in, the sheep come in, boom, the door gets shut, and there it goes. There it goes. And if you were squirreling around, you were frogging around, having some drink down in the airport lounge, and having you know chips and salsa, Cheese or or uh, uh, where's the place that has the chips and uh, the um, chilies, the chilies chips at the we have a gate there where you know. But if you just mess around, you mess around, you're not going to catch the tram. The door is open. You know, I don't know if you've ever been to New York. You ever run the, ridden the subway in New York? The door, oh, and then it closes. That's how it's going to be on that day. When the Lord returns, the door gets open and closed. And if you're out doing, if you if you don't have, if you don't have the oil, if you're not prepared, you will not get in, and then the door will be closed. And that would be a sad thing. And so we finish where we started. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. These are the words of him who is holy and true. Who holds the key of David? What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. When God closes the door, look for a window. It's not going to happen that way. When God closes the final door, he closes it and he closes it for good. The question is will you be ready? Let's pray. I really want you to go, but more than that, Jesus wants you to go. You can't continue to hide your secret sin. You can't continue to be the king of your own life. He needs to be the Lord. He needs to be the ruler of your life. And what that means is that now when you fall in a ditch you have some help getting out because left to yourself you just die the door will shut and it'll all be over for you I don't know when the last time you visited someone in hospice was I visited someone in a hospice yesterday it's a reality ladies and gentlemen I know we don't like thinking about the door of our life closing, whether it's on some hospital bed somewhere or of a heart attack while you're sleeping. Or maybe it's the return of the Lord. The door's gonna close for all of us, one way or the other. You just gotta be ready. And when you start a sentence with, I'm all good, it's all good, it's it's all grace, Mm, how about starting a sentence like this I am really a foul up I, I really need the Lord to help me yeah I trust him but you know what I'm inclined to jump into ditches more often than not and that when he pulls me out I'm not always the brightest bulb in the package that's humility and that says you know what you're on the right path so Lord we come to you today to confess our sin to say we are sheep that uh, we really, really want to come in. We want you to be our shepherd and we will do our best, but even our best is not good enough. Isn't it frustrating when your best isn't good enough? God says, I already know your best isn't going to be good enough. That's why I'm here is to help you. And he just doesn't yell commands at you. He actually, if you can't even walk, he'll pick you up and put you on his shoulders. That's how loving he is. That's how kind he is. And it seems almost too good to be true because in this world, we are so jaded and things just don't work out like a lot of times people promise. And so you've got your feelings hurt, your marriage has fallen apart, you've gone bankrupt. Who knows? The list is lengthy of how we fall into a ditch here's the thing God loved you so much that he sent his son to close the door on a sacrificial system to give you another opportunity your final opportunity to say I want to be able to go in and be with him when the door gets closed because when it gets closed there's not a second chance well what about purgatory well purgatory is a lie it's a fabrication and you shouldn't believe in that You're not going to get a second chance. When your eyes close for the last time or the Lord returns with the trumpet blast that Thessalonians tells us about, that's it. Well, it didn't happen last week and it didn't happen yesterday. Yeah, the Lord is gracious and he's slow to anger. But here's the thing. The tram is coming. I don't know when, but he's coming again. And I want you to be able to be assured of the fact that you're going to go. Not because of your good works, because your good works will never get you there. We're too busy jumping over ropes we don't see. God says, I love you, I'll take care of you, and I'll provide a way for you. I'll forgive your sins, and I'll give you a fresh start. Even though you've had 150 fresh starts before, he'll give you another one today. That's so powerful. So right now, Lord, we just open our hearts to you. Can you do that? Open the door of your heart? You have the power to do that. He He's knocking on that door right now. But it can only be opened from the inside. And so you go, here, Lord, I'm going to open the door of my heart. But here's the thing. When company comes in and the door gets opened, you know, uh, things have to get rearranged sometimes. And so there may be some things in your life that, gosh, I just, I just can't invite him in right now because the living room is such a mess. But here's the thing. You can never have your living room clean enough for him because he's perfect. He'll see every speck of dust. So the best thing to do is just let him in. Humble yourself in humility. Realize, yes, your living room is a mess, but you're going to let him in anyway. And then together, you guys can work out what your life's going to look like once he comes in. He has standards, absolutely. But he's not asking you to change before you let him in. He's saying, just let me in, and then we can work on you together. He's loving, he's patient, and kind. But for a season, because eventually that door is going to shut. So I'm going to raise my hand right now. You can join me if you'd like. And I'm going to say, Lord, here I am, I really, really need you to come into my life fresh and new. Rearrange whatever you want. We'll take care of those things. But I want to start with this invitation for you, Jesus, to to just come on in. Forgive me. Put Put a rope around my ankle. Get me out of this situation that I'm in. Help me. And I'll do my best with your help not to jump back into that ditch. But God, I need you. I want to be with you and I need my sins forgiven and I need a brand new start. If that's you, just raise your hand with me. Here we are, Lord. We're just a bunch of sheep. We don't have all the answers, but we know the one who does. We have lots of questions, but you have all the answers. So we trust you. Be our guide. Be our Lord. Be our Savior remove our sin from our heart, cleanse us and make us new and give us another chance. This day, Sunday, April 23rd, this is the day of a new beginning for you today. Brand new start. He'll tell you what you need to do, what you need to stop, where you need to go, how you need to change, but I'm not here to tell you that. The Holy Spirit will tell you. The Word of God will tell you. Here's the rule to live by. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then go love your neighbor as yourself. That's extremely difficult to do and you'll never do it well enough to get into heaven. But that's our goal. What about all those other things I'm supposed to do? Well, if you love God and you love other people like that, that's a good start. And you'll grow and you're mature. You'll learn some other things along the way. And he'll help you. And you hang out with a bunch of other people that are sheep just like you. So Lord, that's our heart this morning. That's our heart to know you and to be ready when the door closes. Would you all stand with me, please? Father, we bow our hearts, we bow our heads, and we say, God, come in power by the blood of the spotless lamb Jesus and cleanse every heart in this room today come into our hearts and lives help us forgive us of all the crazy stuff, all the crazy stuff, the foolish stuff, the stupid stuff, the ignorant stuff, the things we thought, the things we did, the things we said, the things we did, things we didn't do that we knew we should have done, and the things we did out of ignorance, even though we were rebellious and didn't know. God, we have just messed up a lot. But you're gracious. And the door stands open right now. Walk on in. Walk on in. Whosoever believeth in me, the Lord says, though he die, will be made alive. For if you try to save your life and keep your life, you'll lose it. But if you'll lose your life for my sake, you'll have a brand new life. So Lord, here we are being born again and some being born again, again. Help us as your sheep, lead us with graciousness for your namesake so that we might dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.